and they looked at John and said, John, behold your mother. He transferred the responsibility he had as the older son to John. Of all the disciples, all the disciples were assassinated except for Judas and John. Judas committed suicide. John boiled in oil, did not die, went to the island of Patmos, wrote the book of Revelation and four, four, four letters, three letters in a gospel and the book of Revelation. But John lived old enough to take care of the mother of Jesus. It's important that you have Johns in your life. It's important that you surround yourself with people that believe in you and speak good things into you and are there in tough times. Al Mango is a John in the life of Hank and Rhonda. We've been through a lot of things, 33-year friendship. Al used to travel with us and sing and minister, and uh, we love that. And uh, should anything happen to Al, I've got his mom. I've got her covered. And uh, she'll probably be glad to hear that because right now she loves me more than she loves Al. And if you think I'm bluffing, ask Al at the end of the service, and he will tell you. Al has ministered 67 different countries. He supports missionaries and evangelists and orphanages in different places of the world. We rarely share this podium. This is a very precious place to harvest, and we are very careful who we allow to speak into your life. But we have complete confidence in his ministry and his anointing, and I believe that God has given him a word this morning just for you. So if you'll give Jesus the best hand clap you've given him all week long as Brother Al comes and ministers. Yeah, I called my dear mother this morning. And I said, hi, Mom. She said, how's Hank? My brother from another mother. Um, 1977. Incidentally, it's so nice to have two eyes that work. They did laser surgery on me. Um, they did laser surgery on me on Wednesday, and all of a sudden I could see. I still need glasses, but I can see. Um, last night, I was praying for this morning, and... As I was praying, God brought back memory to me of of nineteen seventy seven forty two years ago when after incidentally, my mother will sometimes say, "You're a loudmouth Italian." And she also will say, you're a crybaby. Could somebody bring me some tissues? Because I can feel a good cry coming on. I was, um, I had a situation where a person that, a wonderful woman that I had made vows to, and she had made vows to me, got tired of the vows. So, we ended up separating. I was so broken beyond words. And the, the one thing that hit me harder than anything was that I was ashamed. 
I walk the streets of this city. Shame. Horrible, horrible shame. Now, Gomer Pyle would say these words, shame, shame, shame on you, shame. But I lived in shame. I went back to home in New Jersey, nothing, had to buy a new car, had to buy a car. When I got back there, a dear friend who passed away named Rebecca Fields said, you know, Al, you're struggling, you're sad, you're divorced. She said, you need to go and apply or audition for a part at a dinner theater in Swainton, New Jersey. So I walked in. I had had one semester of voice with Roosevelt Miller in the old Lee College. One semester. In fact, I was most likely to bomb out the two times I went to Lee College, and mainly because I was so busy throwing water balloons and having a ball and shooting bottle rockets in the hallway of Hughes Hall. We had wars with bottle rockets and wars with water balloons. I was always mischievous. One time I got a group of kids together and I said, hey, let's do something big. My father said, now, I don't know what you boys, my father didn't talk with a southern accent, he talked, he talked like a Joyzy guy. He said, uh, I don't know what you guys are doing. He's talking to me and my brother. He says, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something. You're doing something, and I don't know what it is. It better cease. So my brother got all scared. Oh, we got to stop this. We got to stop this. So he said, I'm not going out and doing Halloween mischief. So we had a kid named Jamie Nagley and a guy named, I remember many of them, but there was one guy named Elder Toothaker. When you are born and your mother names you Elder and your last name is Toothaker, police would stop him and they, he, they say, what's your name, son? And he'd say, Elder Toothaker. And they say, you're lying to me, boy. You're in a heap of trouble. Well, Elder had a grandmother that owned an egg hatchery. I know none of you have never gotten into Halloween mischief. But I basically told my brother, you stay home, but I'm going big or I'm going home. So we had taken one or two little eggs out of mom's refrigerator, mom that loves you more than anybody, and I would develop plans on how to throw eggs at cars. I said, now, guys, if you watch this, I said, the car's coming down this road. What we're going to do is we're going to, when I tell you which way, and I'm telling you, it would go, I was tired of one or two eggs. Elder's grandmother owned an egg hatchery. I said, let's, Elder, let's go get some eggs. We went in and got two crates of eggs, 36 dozen in each crate. Talk about abundance. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think according to the power that works in you. That's abundance. So we developed plans. We're driving a truck all over. We got a, 
a, a kid that just got his driver's license, he's scraping gears and everything else. But I said, now what we're going to do is have about three or four guys, and when we go by someplace, we're not going to throw one egg. We're going to take the tray and go. So a kid and his little girlfriend and his dog were barking at us. They were all, and I said, I don't like that guy. So we turned the truck around, and we came down that road about 50 miles an hour, and we had four or five guys right there, and we went like this. And a wall of eggs comes at it, and it was like Bonnie and Clyde, him, his girlfriend, his dog. He got egged. Well, I thought, man, this is the funnest night of my life. So we go home. I go home. About 1 o'clock in the morning, my father goes down, opens the door. Yes, sir. And there's a New Jersey State policeman standing at the door, and he asked for me. And my father said, are you sure you don't want Joe Mango, Joseph Mango? Are you sure you don't want Nope, we want your oldest son. Now, my mother is laying or sitting on the couch, and this is my mother. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a cereal egg thrower. I learned my lesson, $186 I had to pay. We all had to, us 10 boys had to pay those $186. I learned my lesson, and to this day, I have a hard time eating an omelet. <laughs> but anyway, so here I am doing Oklahoma. I get the lead part in Oklahoma. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's... Amen. So this all happened in February of March in 1977. But on July 1st of 1977, I woke or I got up in a theater in Swainton, New Jersey, crowd packed, been destroyed, damaged, shamed. And I began to sing, there's a bright golden haze on the meadow, there's a bright golden haze on the meadow, the corn is as high. And then we moved into every other song. That's a high note. The producer's wife saw that there were times where I would be acting and I'd walk off the stage and I'd sit back in the dressing room and tears would be in my eyes. And she came to me and she said, Al, I've got a scripture for you. And it's let me just read it, because it begs repeating. Joel 2.25, and I will restore to you the years. That word actually means I will compensate you for the stolen years. I will restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and pray and be satisfied, be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, which hath dealt wondrously with you. 
and my people, say my people. Who is God's people here? My people shall never be ashamed. Listen to this. And it shall come to pass, I'm sorry, and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. You see, this morning, as I was sitting there, I realized that Jesus is in the midst of his people. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And once again, he says, and my people shall never be ashamed. I want to tell you something. In 1977, 77, 78, 79, when I'd walk through this town, I would be filled with shame. But I want to tell you something. I could walk into any restaurant right now, and I could say, no, God has restored the years that the locusts have eaten. Let me tell you something. In this passage of Scripture that Joel, and Joel was uh, basically a country boy. He was a guy that was raised on a farm that basically knew what it meant to be farming. I mean, he speaks in all farm terms. He says the locusts are coming, but God's going to restore. The palmer worm. In fact, I did some study last night, and I couldn't go to sleep. And I, Let me tell you, people say, you sleep with the chickens now. 12 o'clock, I'm still reading this. Instead of doing all the Hebrew, the only thing I really know in Hebrew is the word locust is Arbeth, and that may be a mispronunciation. But I started looking at this, and this is what I found out. Not only, there are all types of locusts. There are all types of locusts. The number one, the swarming locusts. The swarming locusts. Now listen to this. No walls could stop them. No ditch could arrest them. Fires set in their path were extinguished by dead locusts. That's the swarming locusts, and that's what Satan does. When Sometimes when, when you come to Christ, Satan will come and swarm. He will devour. The second type of locust was the creeping locust. They would creep in. I've had to literally take people out of my life because they were creepy, and they were creeping into my life, and I said, I've got to get these people away. There's, there's an individual that is a producer. He is a movie producer, and all he ever does is just think of how he can abuse his mind. He's into horror films. He's, he's basically constantly trying to find some woman that will be in one of his films. I mean, it was, it's horrible. I had to back away. Back away, because I'm tired of people that creep. Secondly, stripping locusts, or I'm sorry, the third, the stripping locusts. Satan will strip you bare. In fact, it was said that they would go, the stripping locusts would go after the very stalk and the seeds. And then the gnawing locusts. Let me tell you something. There's been times where I felt like something was just gnawing on my soul. The absolute power of God. Now listen to this. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. How old are you? Are you dreaming? And your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Listen to what I'm about to say. You can never be restored without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've got a drug problem, you need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to share this with you. There was a day where a young man walked into a church in Toms River, New Jersey. I was in my, like, teens, 16, 17 years old. I walked in, and a man by the name of Steve Brock was singing. A man by the name of Gene Rice was preaching, and he simply said, anyone that wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come up. Now, I had just gotten saved a while ago. In fact, the way my mother would pray every other day, she was telling me about Jesus. But my mother began to fast and pray, and God put me under divine conviction. And I went to a, a Jesus, they basically back then they had what's called the Jesus Freaks, you know. It was a Jesus movement. It was a prayer meeting, but it was also a rap session. And a man by the name of Harry Snook, that's his name, he was beginning to talk about Christ. And he was telling me so powerfully, right to me. And I said, man, I've got to have this. I went into another room, and I began to pray and praise and everything else. And God touched me. But then in February of 1971, I and, you know, I'm a, Serial egg thrower, you know, I mean, I had to repent a lot of my sins. But I walked into this church, and as Brother Brock was preaching, or singing, and Brother Steve, uh, Brother Rice was preaching, I walked up to the altar, and when I raised my hands, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And let me just share this with you. Sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith, and began to speak the language that God is giving you. Now, what happened? I went back to my school. The first time when I got saved, they were ripping into me like just horribly. Uh, people were saying, we, you're just uh, nothing but a Jesus freak. You're, you're crazy. You're, we don't believe in Jesus. But I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I walked into a class, and I looked straight at a girl by the name of Lisa, and I said, and she was a practicing witch. And I began to say, this is what's wrong, Lisa, in your life. This is what's wrong. You need Jesus Christ, and you need to experience the power of God. And I walked out of that room. That was a class, civics class. I walked to the, to the next class. Lisa comes to me and says, about an hour later, she says, I went into the bathroom and accepted Jesus Christ. I, I went into the bathroom and bowed down, shut the door, and bowed down and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Then I go to the cafeteria, and I didn't know what the gifts of the Spirit were. But I want to tell you something. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there. Now, this is the same cafeteria. I'm, I'm an Italian crybaby, I guess. But this is the same cafeteria that they just ripped into me weeks before, and they were abusive and saying, you're just this and you're just that. We don't like what you're doing. You don't, you, we don't even believe Jesus is, 
is the Savior. We don't believe in anything you're saying. But this time I walked in in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I walked into that cafeteria, I began to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And there was a girl named Wendy, and I said, this is what, you are living a life of extreme loneliness. You go to bed lonely. I started speaking that, speaking that, speaking that. There were like five or six, and I began to share everything that was wrong in their lives. And let me share this with you. We had revival break out in the Bridgeton High School, Bridgeton, New Jersey. That's with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to kind of bring it home right now because this dear lady, her name is Judy Marshall. She passed away two years ago. We've lost a lot of people. Uh, last night, I was sitting there with Linda over there, and I said, do you notice something? There's no sadness in this place. There is no sadness in this place. There's nothing but joy in this place. And I was so excited about seeing that. And I said, God... Thank you for the joy that's come back to this. Look at this wonderful wedding. Now, I believe that God is wanting to do a work of restoration upon people. So I'm just going to ask everybody in this place to bow your heads. I know some of you tonight, or today, I'm sorry, some of you today, are struggling with shame. And that's just what God gave me. God gave me that last yesterday and last night that some of you are struggling with drugs. Some of you are struggling with shame coming from drugs. And you desperately need a work of restoration in your spirit, restoration in your life. My dear friend Hank and his dear wife Rhonda, I will travel 50 to 100 miles to hear either one of them preach. God is a God of restoration. They are absolutely the epitome of total restoration. But God restores the years. And as I was praying last night, I began to experience this incredible presence of God in my room at the Baymont Inn. And as I was experiencing it, I began to see that there's people that are so caught up in shame. Shame from the past. Shame from things that you never ask for. Shame from abuse. Shame. God wants to relieve your shame. How is he going to do it? He's going to literally fill you with the presence of God. He's going to fill you with the baptism. He's going to baptize you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I would like everyone in this place just to stand up to your feet. Now talk about restoration. In 2012, June of 2012, I had a massive brain bleed that caused a stroke to come upon me. During the time that I was in a coma, I went to heaven, and I experienced the presence of God. Sister Joyce Giles is walking on the street with Angel right now. She's walking on the street with my dear friend who died yesterday, Jean Patterson, who her and her husband went with me on a trip to Ecuador. She passed away at 8.30 yesterday morning. 
They're walking. They're not, there's no sadness because they're walking on streets of glory. They're walking on streets of glory. That is the total restoration. The total restoration where Christ brings us into his glory. I'm going to ask anybody in this place that you need special prayer. Somewhere I've hit, especially about the shame, because I could just say, God, you've taken away my shame. You've taken away my shame. He restoreth my soul. My cup runneth over. Anyone that needs special prayer this morning, would you lift your hands right where you are? Lift your hands. God bless you, sweetie. I tell you, God was using you this morning. Anyone else? You've struggled with shame. Well, I'm just going to ask. 